We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You ate like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. You are listening to the Bloody Bits Horror Show with your host, Eddie Diaz. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bloody Bits Horror Show. I am your host, Eddie the Axe Jefferson, and joining me this week, I have a very, very special guest, somebody I've been waiting to get on this show for a long fucking time, Nichols Fellowship Screenwriting Contest quarterfinalist and the Bloodlist runner-up in the year 2014, Alyssa from the popular uh, Twitter handle at Alyssa Adventures. Alyssa, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I have a bratty baby on my lap. You will hear it. Yeah, you have a very bratty baby on your lap. That's going to come up. She is eating your uh, monitor <laughs> cords. Yeah, my, my cans. She's eating your cans right now. <laughs> and my cans cord. <laughs> but um, uh, So Alyssa, how are you doing today? Splendid. Splendid. So I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for a little while now. Uh-huh. You've been sort of like the, I guess, the John to my Paul, or maybe like the Dave Grohl to my Kurt Cobain in this podcast so far, and that you've been the, actually kind of the brains and, and the uh, the power behind it. While I've given you my unmolded clay, you have been sculpting it and shaping it and forming it into each and every episode. Mm-hmm. And I guess just thank you for that, first of all, because I just started editing half of an episode today. And so I, I feel your pain. Mm-hmm. You're going pretty quick through it, though. Yeah. It took me like three weeks to figure out what I was doing. I might not be doing as good of a job of it as you are, but I guess we'll find that out. So, as you know, the the purpose of this podcast is to discuss horror with people. <laughs> that and was not me. The baby did just fart. That was the baby farting, not Alyssa, <laughs> for once. Um, <laughs> the purpose of the podcast is to discuss horror with people, specifically like things that influenced them or were formative to them in some way or shape or form in, in horror but uh, you you gave me a great and wonderful gift in, in that you said, I didn't do any prep work. Yeah. So, <laughs> excuse you. That one was you. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, so, we are going to be riffing on a, a topic of my choosing. However, I do want to talk to you a little bit about horror and how you got interested in that genre specifically. Because a lot of your writing is either it's a darker genre directly or 
indirectly horror mm-hmm. thematically and, and why is that what, what got you into horror what started your your passion for that I'm not sure where it started unless we're talking about like me cowering behind a couch while my dad watches horror films Okay, like what kind of horror films? Like the cat snapping one. What's that? The cat snapping horror film that would be Sleepwalkers. Sleepwalkers. Stephen King. That's yeah. one that sticks with me. Okay. I don't know. That's that's the only one that sticks with me. But I started getting into like Korean horror fairly early on, just because I like the anticipation that it builds up. Okay. I find that to be really stressful, and stress is what gets me. That's interesting because you hate it, and yet you're drawn to it. Well, it's controlled there. Oh, okay. Like it, it can be exciting. It's not my stress. So it was Korean horror that got you into the horror genre. Yeah, I don't know how I came to that. I thought maybe I was trying to avoid some tropes with Japanese horror. Because, well, also because I like to avoid what is very popular. Yeah, famously, you like to uh, you get pissed off. To my off detriment. If, to your detriment. Like one, one of your favorite artists or musicians right now, Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. He was popular, though, so you didn't like him. Yeah. Yeah. So you avoided... Up, good fart. I grew up with a lot of siblings. Okay. And they would always steal my shit. So it was really important to me to find stuff that was separate from them that they wouldn't want to be interested in. You didn't want people, like, biting on your style. Yeah. I fucking hate... Like, they'd, they would physically steal my shit. So to avoid them stealing what I was into... Mm-hmm. I would go for very obscure things. And like nobody wanted horror in that household. So that could be mine. Okay. So that, that makes sense. That's interesting. But you still, you started that with Korean horror. Um, yeah. Again, this was what the, the aughts. Yeah. So perhaps? like a 2010, 2011, maybe. Yeah. So everyone, like Japanese horror was big. It was just sort of hitting, I think, here. Right. So with the like the grudge or yeah, the, the ring. ring. Uh, that or one sort missed of, call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All that shit hit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'd like it, but I can't. So let me sidestep and go to Korean because nobody's appreciating Korean horror. Okay. And it's similar, but it's not as, um, I don't know. I don't know how, how to, it's not 100% angry ghost right. girl where a lot of Japanese horror seems to be revenge horror. Okay. So, yeah, I would try to aim for, like, the more thoughtful, like, uh, uh, old boy and, like, the... I don't know if I call old boy horror. Dude. I mean, it's horrific, eventually. Uh-huh. But, like, uh, I think one of the, the first ones that you introduced me to specifically were the um, wishing stairs and... That is very similar. And the host. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excuse you, man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. So Wishing Stairs is very similar to Japanese horror in that it's just the haunted little girl revenge horror. The Whispering Corridor series of films really caught me because the first one I saw was Memento Mori, which is the second Wishing... Uh Not Wishing Stairs. It's the second Whispering Corridors film. And it featured a gay couple, like two women. Good fart, baby. You're really punctuating it. Um... (laughs) Here I thought her crying was going to be a problem, but it's her farts. That's fine. Yeah. We can cut it out and post. You're the editor, so edit. Oh, I'm leaving farts. Okay. How can I... You've actually <laughs> added farts to I episodes, have. so... I'm going to isolate them and save them. Okay. So, anyhow... I forgot where I was. You were talking about Whispering Corridors, Memento Mori. Yeah. Seeing a gay couple that is the center of the story was... Yeah. 
like new and intriguing to teenage me like because it's something i hadn't seen before yeah it was representation that that wasn't necessarily for you but maybe it 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 felt inclusive in a way that other fiction didn't yeah it felt good (laughs) it felt good (laughs) good fart (laughs) can we can we slow down though what's happening oh well she's happy yeah it felt different to you it felt it felt good to to see this representation even though it wasn't representation of you it made me yeah it made me think in a way that a lot of horror hadn't made me think before okay so i wanted to find more of that and that led me down this bizarre scary path yeah so you went from there from uh uh the the I guess K horror, you can't call it J horror. So yeah. K horror. Yeah. What? Where did you go from there, though? Did you stick with Korean horror? Yeah, that kind of. It's kind of my jam still. Still. Just the way they build a story, like their film has always been a lot longer than what we would accept here for the longest time. Okay. Like today, you you see like a film that's two and a half hours, and you're like, ugh, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. Like that's been a lot of Korean horror. It's it's definitely more challenging yeah. to to delve into something like that. But I've actually I've got a uh, guest who who's coming up, and one of their selections that that they were fighting between was the film they chose and Train to Busan, mm. which is an excellent horror. Mm-hmm. It, it uh, but th- they went the other direction mm-hmm. with it, though. So it's a good movie. Yeah, very very good. So uh, then you you kind of. Do you think that influences your your writing? Um, I think much? the way they set up scares and the way that they really make you afraid of what's happening in your head more than what's actually going to happen on screen. Um, I don't know. That's exciting to me. Yeah. Figuring out how to fuck with people is very intriguing. So I, I it's a psychology aspect of writing horror and that's like, like a control thing. Is it a? I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm for me, of it is like I I love the idea of. Being able to to kind of predict or dictate the response you're going to get out of the person mm-hmm. that's that's part of me like I like to to try to be a funny person to yeah. to make people laugh and and that's out of a sick need that I have to be accepted and 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 to make people feel better. but your sick need is to get in their head and make them uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that's easier for me because I'm constantly uncomfortable. Yeah, being that's funny true. is something. That's so true. Yeah, being <laughs> funny seems way harder. Like I wish I, I'm sort of kind of inching into comedy because horror and comedy are so deeply meshed. Well, that that's what's so interesting is like like now Jordan Peele, who's who's famously funny guy, yeah, chuckle fuck funny guy from Key and Peele, like like that one of the best. Um, sketch comedy shows to come after like Chappelle show or mm-hmm. I mean probably the only funny one to come after Chappelle show if I'm being honest uh, maybe Whitest Kids You Know yeah B- but he then transitions seamlessly and, and expertly into horror to, to the degree where now they don't even consider his films horror because it's like his stuff is so elevated that calling it horror is is bad so they'll call it a genre film or elevated hated, horror. They've hated horror. Film yeah. history does not like horror. Yeah, if you listen to the previous episode of this podcast that I speak with Bobby Trippett about horror, we, we kind of get into that a little yeah. bit. The film industry is shitty about horror in a way that maybe they, they shouldn't Which be. I think with Jordan Peele, they have to look at it a different... Good fart. They have... <laughs> wow. 
That's have a very to look good at point. it a different way. <laughs> yeah. I like what you're bringing to the table, baby. Yeah. So they're they're kind of forced to acknowledge horror now in a way that they weren't before before um get out, let's say, because that was such a big deal in the film industry. Because he he um like George Romero did many, many, many years ago, he brings social issues yeah. into horror as as a, a uh, and uses it as like a social commentary like get out is is really all about racism right and he specifically said he wrote it because he felt uncomfortable when he would be walking in a suburb to go date a woman and he's like i feel unsafe here which as a white person you could maybe feel that way in a, in a neighborhood you would consider to be a ghetto or, or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of really put that white stink off. I had to ghetto. because like, I don't think that way. I've lived in, in the gnarliest fucking places. I don't yeah. give a fuck. Like, yeah. I, I'm not a, afraid of that kind of shit. But, but the ghetto. The ghetto. <laughs> Chateau. It could be worse. I could be Elvis Presley singing about it after he stole black culture. So. What? Elvis Presley did the song in the ghetto, like literally. Nice. Yeah, singing about starving black people. So, and what's interesting is is he said uh, Jordan Peele, not Elvis Presley, that for him horror is is you just do all of the setup of comedy and then you take away the punchline. So there's no there's no relief at the end of that setup of, of the uh, making somebody uncomfortable. That is such a very, like a sweet way to put it. It's very But kind. for somebody that doesn't, that can't really do comedy, it's it hurts a little. Yeah. <laughs> a little hurt. The better uh, one that I heard in, and I talked about in the last podcast is that horror is drama taken to its furthest extreme. Yeah. I think it, it's... it's Probably the easier, like the simpler way of writing horror. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. So It's then... like there's an easy formula to horror that you could try to follow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a second hardest genre because what scares people varies so much. But what makes people laugh is even more difficult to nail down. And it changes um... over the decades. While what's scary doesn't really change. Ever. That's definitely true. Like... We're in an era now where comedy is very difficult, but horror is very simple. I comedy is difficult. It just, it has to be new. It always has to be new because otherwise it's hack. Like, there's a term for it. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, like, comedy, you could previously do slapstick or physical comedy, and that was a, a thing for up until probably, like, the late 90s. It was fine. Yeah, it, it's changed. And now that's gone. It, it's changed, I don't think it's gone necessarily. Where with horror, I think we're back to the the system they live kind of that thing. That never gets old. It was relevant I five years ago, ten I years ago. it's more relevant now. I mean, yeah. I think like literally the rich grinding us up and using us is way more relevant now than it was five years ago. Let's not spill what I'm writing. Let's not spill what you're writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so speaking of things that you were writing... Mm. You then moved your influences uh, of horror over to the video game industry in that you, you got into forcing your siblings to, to play horror games. No, those bitches wouldn't play. Oh, you would play. Them. I had to play. Okay, okay. I needed emotional support to play. Oh. So what were... The first what were... game I tackled, the first horror... I mean, unless you're counting, like, 
fucking water level in Mario with the goddamn eel. <laughs> we'll, we should, we'll have another like a bonus episode that, that's like, what is horror in a video game? That counts. The sunken ship eel. So that counts. I, I, I would define horror, like a survival horror game, as a fear of taking action preventing you from playing the game. Yeah, I couldn't fucking go down there. Yeah, so that's that's horror for you. Uh-huh. I don't think Mario 64 was intentionally a survival horror game. Everyone but... knows that that fucking eel is terrible. <laughs> You're also terrified of clipping out of a 3D environment. But... Yeah, that's fucked. The actual proper, if you Googled it... It, it would be defined as a horror video game. What would that be? The first one I played? Yeah. Oh, the first one I tackled was Silent Hill 2. Yeah. Which is also the first one I really fell in love with. Mm-hmm. So much so that I then wrote the adaptation for Yeah. You you became a, kind of obsessed with, you yeah. would say? I, I found that video game when I was 15-ish. Okay. A little late. Mm-hmm. I can't math, but it had been out for a few years. It was in the bargain bin. Yeah. You got it on the Xbox, right? Mm-hmm. At the bargain bin of the GameStop that, that was out uh, by across from the movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know that GameStop. GameStop. Yeah. I, I was the kid that would gather up all the shitty games that like were from my younger siblings. Yeah. Because fuck them. And I would go trade them in and get them the, what's it called? Value? Cash value? Bargain. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Trade credit. Yeah. Get the credit. Mm-hmm. Get me a new game. Uh, beat it, return it, do the shit again. Um, but Silent Hill, I couldn't return it because as soon as I started playing it, I knew it was a big deal. What was it that immediately grabbed you from from Silent Hill Two? Soundtrack, characters. Soundtrack's amazing. Soundtrack is incredible. Who gives a shit about the character? I mean, the characters are okay. <sighs> I, you're meant to like Sunderland, but he's a piece like he's a jackass. He's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit, and he's also like the voice actor. Not very good. <laughs> yeah, not 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 incredibly. I mean, but that that was kind of the 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 charm of it. Will you say? Well, Resident Evil famously had some of the was, worst voice yeah. acting ever. Like that was just of its time. Yeah, but it's you don't want to be giggling. I mean, I guess maybe if you're trying to just well, push now through you the, do the move the game the movie. Like if you were to remake Silent Hill Two as a video game, you would have to have a voice acting that made you giggle. That's no. the only way it works. No. No, you want it serious. You want it dead fucking. You want PT. You want Hideo Kojima. With... Yeah, I want to poop my pants. Yeah. Well, you need to be able to play VR then. Because that's the I future. I can't do that. That will be the future of horror video games. I, I actually guarantee don't... it. I worry about my heart in that oh. situation. <laughs> Poor missus. But also Vertigo doesn't really let me play VR much. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But yeah, I would... The first time I played Silent Hill 2... I would have to pause it to breathe, Mm -hmm. but also I would be making notes about, because I knew I was going to write the screenplay. Mm -hmm. And it took me like 13 years, I think, to actually sit down and adapt it. That's crazy. Yeah. And I don't even think I used my original notes. I made fresh notes. 13 years. That's such a a passion project. That's crazy to me. I even stalked, because uh, Christoph Gans is... Mm -hmm. Doing the next Silent Hill film. I hear it's in pre-production, which is driving me nuts. Because I wrote this script. I've had it for years. <laughs> I have it. Yeah, you've had your manager like try to hound people about it, which is funny. I don't think my manager has ever really 
put that much into this well, one. Well, you've just asked he knows. him to maybe. Yeah. yeah. So I went around him, which is probably not something to, good to do, and we <laughs> probably shouldn't hear this. Right. I went around him. I went to Christoph Gans's agent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, buddy, we know each other, right? Yeah. No. No. We, we know Silent Hill, right? I heard about this project. Are you guys going to be accepting pitch requests? Because I want to throw my hat in, please, please. That I mean, that's good. It's... It would be great to get that picked up. I've read that screenplay. It's very good. It's Silent Hill 2 is such a challenging piece of fiction. Yeah. In, in that... To adapt something like that, that like just the beginning of it, where you're walking through a forest for like five minutes, mm-hmm. that's in the game, that's to create isolation. But like if you were just watching some asshole walk through the forest for five minutes in the beginning of a movie... You're yeah. going to turn that shit off. Well, That's I not... mean, unless the uh, title screen came up in a really bad blue font. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it was a good tracking shot from a helicopter. And it's a Kubrick film. And it was a Kubrick film called yeah. The Shining. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they kind of did that there, but, you know. Well, yeah. But, like, I don't know. The fact that it's interactive as a video game is very necessary to Silent Hill. It helps a lot. It really does. But then, like, you also run into, like, the puzzles and, like, the cult shit and a bunch of stuff that doesn't really matter. It's not as interesting as the well, main storyline of Silent Hill 2. It's to stretch the gameplay out because yeah. otherwise, if you spent $60 on it, you would feel bad if it was right. only, like, a four or eight hour experience. It is but, only a 10 hour experience doubled backwards. Yeah, but but nowadays, we're, we're getting to the point where it, game development is so much cheaper and you can create a two to four hour game that that you can price out for eight to ten dollars that's a horror game and it's it's totally worth it it's we've gotten better about that stuff so after the silent hill era of your horror um i know we we kind of met and we We started did kind of and we started watching horror stuff together Uh uh-huh in that I was like, you should watch Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, that was watch... when, when we first met, we gave each other like homework, like movies right. that we needed to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it was always horror, but some of it for sure was. Yeah, um, of course. And then now... And would, like analyze it after like, hey, what what did you think? What did you think of this that happened? And what did that mean to you? We're like, mm-hmm. like testing each other. A little bit. I mean, it's it's also just kind of getting to know each other. Yeah. And then we were... It's the anxiety that that built in me. Oh. <laughs> that's perfect, then. That's what you love, is the building of the anxiety. That's why you love horror as a genre. That's like me day drinking for a, a meeting. When it's over, it's great. But being on the spot in the moment sucks. And then we've been together for a little while, and a little series came out on Netflix mm-hmm. for us, but it came out other places in the world before then and that series was called black mirror mm-hmm. a reference to when you look at your cell phone or your monitor or whatever your tv screen while the power is off of it it is black and yet it reflects you back at you mm-hmm. black mirror so the the subject today that we're covering because you are allowing me to be the one covering it is, yeah you're the guest i'm i'm, I'm no. guesting and you're the guest you're you're being very lovely with me, and I appreciate it so much. Uh, you're you're allowing me to talk about the first episode of Black Mirror National Anthem. Yeah, your favorite ep. The best episode of Black Mirror. I disagree, but your favorite ep. The as far as horror goes, 
the best episode of Black Mirror. There mm-hmm. are other episodes. It definitely made me squirm. That are better, but are not horror. Mm-hmm. This is definitely horror. Okay. Okay. So the episode one of uh, Black Mirror National Anthem was written by Charles Booker. It was actually the third episode that he pitched uh, after the episode 15 Million Merits. Do you remember that one? I don't think so. It was the people that were pedaling on bicycles to earn merits so that they could potentially go on a show. And then the girl that he liked did, but then she ended up doing porn. Mm -hmm. And then he was sad. It was not a great episode. Mm. Uh, and another episode that, that they never produced. The, those were the first two that that, that uh, Charles Booker pitched. However, uh, National Anthem was the first episode of the series to air. It aired on December 4th of 2011, a little while ago. The episode had 1.9 million viewers alongside a lot of complaints to the British version of the FCC, the Office of Communication or Ofcom. Hmm. Uh, they received 145 complaints the night that it aired. That that was the eighth highest number of complaints anything got in in the UK. Is it because it, it's shocking? Yeah, the complaints ranged from the use of profanity to themes of bestiality, kidnapping, suicide, terrorism, and torture. Yeah, I could see all that. Yeah. Uh, it was considered a middling episode of the series by basically all critics except for Matt Elfring of GameSpot, of all places, who considered it the best of the first series. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the background of, of this episode. And from there, I guess we'll, uh, we'll get into the beats of it, as you would the film person say. Yeah. Did you sneak up here and watch it before? I watched it not before by sneaking up here. I watched it on my cell phone a couple of days ago hmm. and took the beats down. I've seen it a few times and I've written an article about this. Is that when you go back? Because I know you go back to Breaking Bad every now and then just to yeah, yeah. relive it. <laughs> Breaking Bad's really good. It is. Vince Gilligan's in- incredibly talented, but mm. I-, I would say Better Call Saul is better. Yes. Just because, I don't know, Bob Odenkirk is such a good actor. mm so, in this episode, we have a British Prime Minister, Michael Callow, who's played by Rory Kinnear, and he's woken up in the middle of the night to learn that Princess Suzanne, who's kind of the Princess Diane mm-hmm. stand-in, uh, kind of a beloved royal, uh, has been kidnapped. A video has been uploaded to YouTube demanding a, a ransom for her, saying, uh, hey, if you don't give in to our demands uh, or my demands. I'm going to kill her at 4 p.m. today. I only have one demand. It's very simple. This uh, British Prime Minister Michael Callow has to have full, unsimulated sexual intercourse with a pig live on national television. To save a life. To save a life. And we don't know what his motive is. So, so immediately the guy Michael Callow looks around. He's like, Okay, you guys are all taking the piss. You're fucking around. This is a joke. And it, everybody's very, very stern with him. And they're like, no. And you must fuck this pig. There's there's an interesting thing with this scene. And it's been a while since you've seen this episode. Yeah, it's been yeah. years. So in this scene, in the little war room that they're in, I noticed on reviewing it that, that uh, everybody in here, including him, is cast in kind of a black and white just due to the harsh lighting. Except for the screen is illuminated and it is casting light onto the hand of Home Secretary Alex, who's the the kind of older, more stately woman who who is in control. 
here. Mm-hmm. And and I wonder if that might be intentional or or maybe not. I don't know. Usually, it, what you see is intentional. Just what does it mean? Right. Right. Or is it like meant to be interesting, but it's not, it doesn't allude to anything. It's just meant to make you think when there's really nothing. But like, I feel like sometimes, sometimes some directors that do that. Like I could see David Lynch maybe does that a little bit. And that's why that you hate him. That was who I wanted to say, but yeah. I didn't because you, there are Lynch stands. That's why you dislike David Lynch. I don't dislike entirely. his movies. You thought Mulholland Drive was a piece of shit. Yeah. I said those words yeah, too. Specifically. Uh, yeah, so Alex and and uh, her team, they're ordering a, uh, a special team to, to try to do CGI of the man fucking the, the pig. All the while, Mike, the, the prime minister, he sets out a task force to try to track down the, the source of the video. Mm-hmm. Right? And they figure out, uh, okay, well, the video originally and uncompressed was like 57 megs and then it was uploaded to youtube so we're searching around and pinpointing all the places where an uncompressed 57 meg file was sent to youtube impossible because you know it's youtube it's the future or something right there's a bagillion things being sent to them every second but but whatever it was kind of quaint you can trace that stuff it's I just don't know how. I know they've done it before, though. You could trace the source of a file, potentially, but it wouldn't be based on the size of the file being uploaded. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And the time that it was uploaded. Yeah, so so Mike's whole thing is like, okay, well, it's cool. It's all, it just stays in this room. We're not going to tell anybody about it, yada, yada. And then they're like, no, it was on YouTube. It's... It's already over. Like, this shit is being tweeted 10,000 times an hour. It's been re-uploaded six times every time we try to take it down. It's it's a problem. However, because of the way that the government and and the media are tied in in England, they've uh, they put out an informal order to the media saying, "Hey, news channels, you're not allowed to cover this." Hmm. And so the news channels are not are not going to talk about it, even though everybody is. And we, and we cut to kind of like the people in the street, like, what what the fuck's going? Like, literally, mm-hmm. I'm seeing the princess here who's going to die unless this guy fucks a pig. Why aren't you talking about it? Mm-hmm. All you're talking about is like sandwich recipes. Censorship. Yeah, censorship. But but I mean, I kind of get why they're doing the censorship. But at the same point, like, you I don't can't know. hide things. I mean, once once the it touches the internet, is out of the bottle. Yeah, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah, that's it's how that, that whole phrase goes. Specifically, that whole phrase. <laughs> yeah. So then they they hire a porn star to fuck the pig, like you do. Mm-hmm. And it's. <laughs> Do you think you could do that? I mean, they paid somebody to fart on a cake, but do you think you could... Oh, man, I've seen some terrible things. I've seen some terrible things that people have... They had to have taken money for. If they didn't take money for it, they're fucking stupid. I'm sure they got paid. Could No, I couldn't. You you don't think there's a a porn star alive today who you could be like... Here's a oh could chunk I pay a porn star yeah. to do that? I thought you were asking if I could fuck the pig. No. no, could could I pay a porn? Yeah, absolutely. You think? Wow. There there are um, straight porn stars, males who got their start by doing gay porn, and are they you drawing a parallel to. I'm saying if you have no sexual attraction to a living being and uh-huh. have to have sex with it, there are ways that that can take place i don't i don't think porn stars are always into each other when medication they fuck each other. or whatever it's just it's socially acceptable to fuck a person yeah that's true but what if you're i don't know it's like 
They also could desperate? be homophobic, but but desperate. But then I don't think you're probably you're probably not a porn star if you're homophobic. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't a know working if, homophobe. I don't know if star. like Ron Jeremy is the most progressive guy, you know, but he's a porn star. Mm. I don't know that a lot of porn stars that are quite progressive. Right. I just wondering. I've seen, I've seen terrible things. So like, I just, I never considered bestiality being bought. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. It definitely takes place. I know it takes place. I just thought it was somebody's private yum, like Mr. Hands. Yeah, that didn't work out well for Mr. Well, Hans. yeah, but he wasn't, like, he wasn't, I mean, he was doing porn, but he wasn't doing porn. Yeah, no, it was for private use. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So they, they hire this this porn star to fuck the pig, and the idea is, hey, we're going to, we're going to, we hired a, a, a rogue filmmaker to superimpose and do some green screening effects. How are you going to mock that up so quick, so short notice? Well, he actually, the, 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 the film guy says like i don't think this is fucking possible and they're like well you're gonna try because because he's gotta fuck a pig somebody's gotta fuck a pig and if the pm does it like that's a problem as as we see this guy rod senseless that's the porn star's name great porn star name yeah as as they're they're talking to him they're like yeah you gotta go in here and do the thing he's like all right i'm gonna go in there and do the thing and some guy just walks up to him and takes a picture of him hey rod and he's with all these like british equivalent of secret service agents so it's like ah oh, shit Somebody took a picture, they're probably going to put it up on Twitter, and now it's over. Hmm. Right? Okay. Big problem. So that's that's where we're seeing that the the uh, Alex, her team's move to try to, to stop this from happening is getting fucked with. Now, the prime minister's move is, well, we're trying to, you know, figure out where this file was uploaded from and find her and rescue the, the, the princess and, and take the guy out. Mm-hmm. But... All the while they're they're tracking this down, uh, one of his interns, one of his government staffers, uh, he's flirting with a reporter, this lady reporter. And she's like, look, man, maybe if you uh, give me any leads you might have, uh, maybe I might be kind of friendly with you. And he's like, well, I can't do that or I'll, I'll get fired. But then they find out, uh-oh, it was uploaded from this one location. It was an abandoned college where uh, uh, they, they, they look at the GPS over a time lapse and they see, oh, there's a light on at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. at this abandoned college. And so then, then the, the reporter lady goes and she takes like a nude and she sends it to the, to the staffer, the intern of, of the prime minister. And he's like, okay, well, I shouldn't tell you this, but we're going to be going here to go figure it out because I want to fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, That's how that works. He's thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Anthony Weiner got fired for like trying to get nudes from minors and shit. And that's a government guy, right? I don't understand the connection. But yes, that happened. Well, you're saying like, I, I don't think a government guy would solicit nudes. I didn't from say somebody. a word. <laughs> well, he said, well, that's that's what would happen. That wasn't facetious. Oh, okay. So, so you're you're on board. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. I thought I thought you were disbelieving the story so far. Well, I mean, it, the it is a work of opinion. fiction. Yeah. So then the the cops are like, all right, we're gonna go raid the place, and the reporter is like, okay, I'm not gonna bring a camera, but I'm gonna be live streaming it from my cell phone. Mm, that's a camera. That's a camera, but I mean, like, not a proper on your shoulder camera. Uh-huh. She's doing some guerrilla photography. Yeah. 
kind of reminiscent of the protests that are going on now with the police and, and how people are filming them with their cameras and catching some shit that maybe shouldn't be happening. Well, I've been fairly early in this game. Well, 2011, that wasn't going on. This is, yeah. Today is 2020. I know, now, that's of what course. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So both of these plans are starting to fail. They, uh, they go to the building. The, the cops are they're doing the, the breach and clear. They're slicing the pie. They got their, their big guns out and they're throwing tear gas in there. They get into the room and, uh-oh, there's a mannequin with a laptop tied to it. That's... What a waste of a laptop. Like, why yeah. are you going to set that up? It's, I mean, I guess visually it's... Visually, it's the only way to handy. be like, oh shit, he was running a proxy here. They're looking for human-shaped figures in the area that they just flooded with tear gas while they're wearing their masks and they so, have their yeah, guns so out. So visually, visually, it looks great. And then they see another human that's moving around and they shoot it. Mm. And it's that reporter that's holding up her cell phone. So now, uh-oh, the cops just shot a fucking reporter. That's fine. Right. So <laughs> now you get why they maybe set it up that way. Yeah. A little bit is, is you're building the whole, like, their tents and, and there's a, there's these problems. And maybe one hand of the government is over overacting with force where the other hand of the government is trying to overact with. No, I get that. I'm deceit. just saying, like, why would you leave that set as the hacker, as the to the, be funny, the guy behind it? Couldn't that be a problem though, leaving a laptop? Yeah, but what if you never intended to get away with it? What if you were just trying to make a political statement and you assumed you were going to die? Okay. Well, can't relate. we'll we'll find out about that later. So that plan fails. The other plan failed with the CGI because the hacker sends a uh, little package over to the news studio. They open it up and oh shit, there's a finger in it with the, the princess's cool ring that she always wears hmm. and a thumb drive. They pop the thumb drive in and uh, it's it's the princess crying. And the the guy behind her ripping, uh, you know, snipping and ripping the, the finger off. And she's freaking the fuck out. As he would. And then there's text on there that's like, I told you no trying to pull weird CGI shit. Really? This uh, rod senseless? It's like, oh, shit. Well, we're in trouble now. We, uh, we tried to trick him and it didn't work. Mm. So now the princess has been defingered. And we've learned that we can't cheat. So I guess the uh, the prime minister's got to fuck a pig. Because now it's 3.20 mm-hmm. p.m. Four o'clock is the deadline. Okay. He's got 40 minutes. So now, all the while, starting off w- with this, the, the people responding to, to the news is, first, like, 8% of people are like, he better do it. And everybody else is like, no, fuck that guy. Don't fuck the pig. That's gross. And now... It's life or death. Though. Now, after we've seen the finger... Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, it is life or death. Mm-hmm. So now 87% of the public is like, he, like it sucks and we feel bad for him, but he's kind of got to do it. But there's also this, this side commentary that's like, this is a terrible thing. You mm-hmm. don't have to watch, but they're going to watch. Well, there's not only the side commentary of you don't have to watch, but they go so far as to say anybody who owns still images or video of this after midnight, you're... A criminal, because this is an act of bestiality. We have to do it today. But if you own any That's, of this footage, it's it, well, of course not. But you threaten people. Like you don't do it; you threaten them. 
It's kind of like saying marijuana is illegal in America. Like, sure it is, but are they going to kick in every door? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not only that, but they say, okay, well, we're also going to be broadcasting this sound that is like this very, very high-pitched sound that, that... is horrible and terrible and you don't want to hear it while this is being broadcast clever mute yeah and that everything you're coming up with right now well they're never going to know if i recorded it well they're i I could just mute it that's what everybody wants to do because everybody wants to watch this guy fuck a pig yeah it doesn't matter they can clutch their pearls but they're gonna fucking watch of course they're going to watch, just like you're going to watch this episode of the show, because it's the first episode of a horror show, and the premise is this guy's got to fuck a pig. Yeah, but we're going to complain about it after. Yeah, but we're all going to go complain <laughs> about it to, what is it, op, whatever, their FCC, Ofcom. So he... Because it's vulgar, but I sat through the whole episode. Exactly. Yeah. So he uh, pills up and uh, walks into the room and they're like, don't worry, it's like a skeleton crew. There's literally just you. The pig has been sedated and it's got a bucket full of slop. Ew. And there's a guy with a camera who's going to be walking around you as per the guy's directions. So there's no way that you're doing some weird green screen CGI effect shit. So he walks in there and uh, the, the lady, Alex, is like, listen, the other point of advice that I heard from a psychologist is you shouldn't try to do it too fast because then people will be like, well, he enjoyed it. <laughs> so fun. take your time. A little twist. Yeah. And meanwhile, this whole time his wife has been like trying to call him because she knows what's going on. He's just not been answering the phone. Because why? That's not the last person you want to talk to about this. Of course. Well, what well, are you going to say? Hey, hon, I got to go fuck a pig. See ya. Would you consider it cheating? <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not into it, but I got it. It's for my country. And then she could always be getting back at you about that strange yeah remember that time it was a pig you fuck it wasn't even like a hot chick Mm. so uh, yeah i don't know there's just nowhere to go from there and with nowhere to go he ends up fucking the pig but everybody watches it of course everybody's in in, in, same circumstances would you fuck a pig to save a life no 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 fuck that life me either how many lives there are (laughs) fuck that life but would it haunt you forever That no. you could have saved a life and you chose not to. You know, how, you much, you know how much money I could donate to save how many lives every day? Like, I could donate $30 a day and probably in my entire life save 200 lives, let's say. You're being a tough guy now on a podcast. I'm not being a tough guy. I wouldn't fuck a pig. I'm being right, a pussy. But to prevent somebody from getting their fucking head chopped off or something. Like, you would have to watch the murder knowing that you could have prevented that murder. I still couldn't do it. I don't think I could either. I, I still couldn't. I'm I'm sorry. I guess I'm too much of a pussy. Like, yeah, it, it's too gross. So hats off to this guy. So hats off to this guy because he character. fucking does it. Yeah. It's time to go in now. An unprecedented nature. This is an official announcement. 
In a few minutes, the Prime Minister will perform an indecent act on your screen. Um, and it's funny because you watch people's reaction. They're watching it and they're like, oh, he's good. Because he's walking in and he's crying. And they're like, oh, he's good. And he takes his suit off. They're into it and then suddenly it's very real. And they're watching it they're like, uh, yeah. oh, never mind. And you just hear, like, the sounds and you see their faces. Yeah. I remember that. I haven't seen this in years. That's so good. And I remember it. And, and yeah, all you see is from the perspective of the TV screen, the people watching it. Yeah. And you see like this, and it hats off to them for how they directed this because it's so good. You see a percentage of people like turning away in disgust before it even happens. Uh-huh. And then more turning away immediately as it starts happening. And then you see people like tearing up but continuing to watch it. Yeah. And then other people that are like going to turn the TV off and the other people are like, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, I gotta see how it this ends. This is, even though it's been going on for an hour, uh, this is important. This is history being made. Oh, so we have to watch it. Okay, Grandpa. No, it's like a young guy that says that. Sure. It's like, ugh. So then it we roll credits and the episode's over. But it isn't over. Because yeah, because then, then people complain about it, which is so funny. No, because then we know what... Because then after the credits, oh. the ending happens. Oh. Which oh. is, ma'am... Uh-huh. Do you remember? I remember... I think I remember... Was the girl not actually there? Yeah. So 30 minutes before this entire thing happens, mm. the princess is just like walking down the Millennium Bridge, which is one of the most famous like tourist trap attractions in empty. Britain. And it's completely empty because everybody is watching this. It's yeah. right in front of the St. Paul's Cathedral. And we see the uh, her captor, who's a uh, performance artist, and he's hanging himself by his fucking neck. And you see his hand where he cut his own finger off. Nice. Right. And then uh, they they find this out and they're talking to the princess girl and she's unharmed completely. And Alex, the the lady that, that was like, here's, you know, how you're going to go fuck the pig. We set this all up. The one whose hand we could see in the light of the television while everybody was black and white. Mm-hmm. She, she gets the call on the phone while the prime minister who just fucked the pig is puking his guts out in the men's room. And she's like, what? <laughs> what well no one saw her why oh well because they were all watching the fucking thing gross mm-hmm. nobody tell him that yeah so then she hangs up and she she walks into the bathroom and she's like hey you saved the day dude good job yeah and we flash to a year later and uh oh, wow this went on a lot longer than mike the prime minister is still the prime minister and his approval rating is actually three percent higher oh, than good. it was the year before Aww. uh the princess is fine she's married and pregnant Has so all she's fingers. going on but we we follow mike to uh his his home and his wife refuses to talk to him yeah. And she uh, was just like, oh, I'm not going to talk to your ass. Walk up to the room and credits. We're, we're finally actually done. Wow. With the episode. Yeah. It's impactful. It is. But also, it's about a guy fucking a pig. It is. It's, <laughs> it's for me, like on paper, it's perfect. Because yeah. it's like, I'm going to tell you a story about a man fucking a pig. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of layers to it. And, and it adds 
a, there, there's a lot of meta shit in, into it. Uh, so as far as its kind of significance, it alludes to an event that came up four years later referred to as Pig Gate. Have you ever heard of this? No. Everything is a gate. So it was alleged that as a student of Oxford University, former British Prime Minister David Cameron inserted a private part of his anatomy hmm. into the mouth of a dead pig. His toe. His penis. As part of an initiation ceremony for the Piers Graveston Society. In the unauthorized biography of Cameron, uh, which was titled Call Me Dave, Michael Ashcroft and Isabel Oakshoff recount that a member of parliament and distinguished Oxford contemporary told the anecdote out of the blue uh, at a business dinner back in June of 2014. So there are contemporaries who are well-regarded who say, yeah, this guy put his dick in a dead fucking pig's mouth. At least it was dead. And it was a British prime minister. So may maybe the writer of this like heard that heard that story and he's like, "Hey, that's a interesting inspiration to kind of tell sense. this story." And 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 the other thing is, yeah, that that was the idea was he he pitched this as being shock and it ended up being shock that made everybody tune in similarly to the connection of the story the fact that everybody was tuned into this shock if people were just not watching it they would have seen the princess out there unharmed and said like whoa 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 give him a call he doesn't actually have to fuck the pig mm -hmm. and would have all been over mm -hmm. yeah so that to me is why this is the best episode of black mirror because it it um storytelling wise to me is is uh probably one of the tightest and most complete stories that they tell mm -hmm. as well as it's indicative of or, or it's a cautionary tale of what technology has become and and the way that it it's actually kind of changed our culture today it's the old adage of a lie will be will have gone around the world five times before the the truth wakes up mm -hmm. so that's why this is a good one to me what what are what are your thoughts? Because I've talked way too much. No, it did stand out. After all these years, I still remembered some like... Imagery? Yeah. It wasn't my favorite because I think it, it made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But that's the purpose. It's supposed to. But yeah, I guess it's up there. I mean, as far as their episodes mm -hmm. go, it was definitely one of the better ones. Because okay. the only ones that stand out to me are that one and San Junipero. Those are the only two I can recall. Like I remember like a weird robot dog chasing people. Yeah. But that's like it. So the San Junipero one, I, that what, what I was talking about earlier is that's probably a better episode. Yeah. But is it horror? Like that's that's a really tough discussion. And I'm, I'm actually going to be having another guest on the show specifically to talk about San Junipero mm -hmm. and how it is or is not horror. I would personally weigh on the side that no, it isn't horror. Mm -hmm. But I, I understand the argument for how it is. Better episode? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, as far as like art direction and, and set design, costumes, the whole like how it jumps between three different um, eras and, and not just like 70s, 80s and today, which are very distinct. Mm hmm. But it, it hits very specific eras like th that, that are not like part of the the zeitgeist that are not oh, it's starting boilerplate and it nails that mm -hmm. i want to be punchier i'm distracted it's okay 
Um, you're, uh, I'm the guest. I'm the one who's doing all the, the heavy lifting here, I, I suppose, <laughs> because this is something I feel very passionately about. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm bouncing the story off of you a little bit, but. Cause again, I haven't seen it in years. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I appreciate it more now. Okay. From reliving it with you. Okay. And maybe also the way that it kind of relates to today. Like, yeah, it definitely means more. I think today it was oddly prescient. Baby, stop. So I'll go ahead and wrap it up. We have a very angry child right now. Mm. Yeah, this is, I guess. Thank you, Alyssa, for, for joining me. Thank you also baby, for joining the podcast. Your farts were great. Your cries are not. And yeah, this this is how I end the show. Okay. Goodbye. Ready? <laughs> Don't go breaking my heart. I couldn't if I tried. A heart if I get restless. But baby, you're not that kind. Don't go breaking my heart. <sighs> you take the weight off me.